Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I'm your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph. Welcome to episode number 162 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. So happy for you to download, listen, and enjoy this episode. Additionally, if you listen to this on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on the video. Please make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. But what is every... What's going on, everybody? I can't even figure out my words. What is going on, everybody? It is an absolute awesome fall day here in the New England area. You guys know I hate the cold. It was warm yesterday. It's warm today. So it's good to kind of have the remnants of summer still kind of around. But it's honestly only for a few hours and it's going to drop into the 60s and then the 50s. But I'm going to enjoy it for the time being, though. I know a lot of people, specifically in the New England area, do like their seasons. They love the fall. They love this. uh the cold, crisp air in the fall, whatever it may be, whatever it may be. But, you know, I'm in a good mood because it is fairly warm outside. And that just makes me excited because you guys know I hate the cold. But we're not here to talk weather. We're not here to talk seasons or anything like that. I do want to talk Red Sox really quick. Just some exiting thoughts as they head into their off season. Baseball playoffs start today with all four wildcard uh, series kicking off. Also want to talk about something I heard on the radio. It was a conversation on the radio. What is the best time of year for sports? Now, we could all sit here and say April for the NFL draft or February for the Super Bowl. How about October for uh, the World Series? You know, we can go on and on and do all that fun stuff. But what is really the best month of the season, of the year for sports? That's something I want to dive into because I really thought it was a good, interesting little conversation because there's some cases for a bunch of different months out there. And then lastly, I want to assess Bailey Zappi, who will be getting the start on Sunday against the Detroit Lions here in Foxborough with Brian Hoyer officially on IR with a concussion. We do not know the future of Mac Jones. Obviously, Bailey Zappi hasn't been named the official starter. All signs are pointing that way. I just don't think Mac Jones is going to play. Even if he's 75%, just hold him out another week because no matter who you have at center, uh, under center, whether it's me, you, or Bailey Zappi, we should be able to beat the Detroit Lions. At least that's what people are telling me. However, honestly, I don't really believe in that because I do think the Lions are actually a much better team than A, 1-3, and three, and B, quote-unquote, the Detroit Lions, like everyone's saying that they are. So those are the discussions that I do want to talk about today. Obviously, let's, you know, break down what the game could look like. You know, the three things that I'm looking like 
that I'm looking for into the, uh, this weekend's game. However, let's circle back to our leadoff discussion topic, and that is Red Sox outgoing offseason notes. So here's an article from October 6th, so yesterday, by Mari Aram. Red Sox notes Devers, Hosmer, Cassis, coaching staff, catcher. So this is just a little uh, good in-depth article that I really want to read with you guys because there is a lot to pick apart here, and I'm really excited to share that. And I know I said I wasn't going to talk about the Red Sox. Well, their season's over, so we can talk about the Red Sox in moderation. This afternoon, Red Sox Chief Baseball Officer Hein Bloom, GM Brian O'Halloran, President Sam Kennedy, and Manager Alex Cora spoke with the media, including Alex Spear of the Boston Globe and Jen McCaffrey of The Athletic, to put a wrap on the 2022 season and provide clarity for the team's offseason moves. The quartet made it clear that Alexander Bogarts is a top priority. In my opinion, he should be the top priority, not a top priority, the top priority. Anyways, with Bloom stating that the Red Sox are, quote, going to work really hard at creating a deal with the long-term shortstop, Bloom continued adding that he hopes that the Red Sox can get a deal done before the Bogarts opts out. Wait, get a deal done before the Bogarts opts out. Well, that's that's a typo right there. Can get a deal done before Bogarts opts out and that the Bogarts deal is, quote, something that we can work on right away. Bogarts had previously signed a six-year, $120 million extension in 2019 with an opt-out after the 2022 season. The star shortstop has not officially stated whether he will exercise the opt-out, but he's a lock to do so and earn far more on the open market. Bogarts said yesterday he and the team have not had any recent extension talks. Uh, then it goes into a bunch of Bogart statistics. Longest member of the team made his debut at 20 in August 2013, winning to a World Series. Da 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 da. If Bogart leaves the team, the Red Sox have options internally. Trevor Story signed to a six-year, $140 million contract, uh, has considerable experience at short. However, Story has expressed a preference to remain at second and retain Bogart at short. Utility men Kike Hernandez and Christian Arroyo both have experience at shortstop but neither produces an offensive output comparable to Bogarts. Now, real quick, real quick. It's good. I know Bogarts and Story you know, had a good little relationship their first year together. It's good to see Story saying, hey, I want to stay at second base because I want Bogarts at shortstop. That's awesome to see. Second, I don't care if Kike Hernandez and Christian Arroyo can play shortstop because... I can play shortstop too. That doesn't mean I'm the right answer, and that means they're not the right answer. If anything, I'd rather Kike at second base or in center field. I like, actually, I don't really like Christian Arroyo all too much, but I don't mind him being a utility infielder. Spot start at short, spot start at third, shortstop maybe four times a year, whatever. I know they had the experience of him at first base. Uh, just really don't want him being the long-term answer for anything. I know they've had him in the outfield, and that's been a travesty. But <clears throat> just because they have experience at shortstop doesn't mean that they are the answer. Carrying on with the article. Additionally, Red Sox top prospect Marcelo Meyer ranked as the 7th best prospect by MLB.com. Just finished his first full minor league season, posting a strong 280 average, 
399 on base and 489 slugging across low low A and high A. MLB.com currently projects the 19-year-old to make his debut during the 2024 season. However, Bloom said that prospects who are years away from the majors will not impact the Red Sox's approach to their 2023 team. Thank goodness. That is exactly how to look at it. Yeah, you have Marcelo Meyer. Great. He won't make his debut till 2024. Maybe won't be the full-time guy until 2025. Who knows, right? Who knows? Transitioning to Devers, the slugger said on Wednesday that he'd be open to discussing a long-term deal this offseason. The Red Sox and Devers reportedly weren't close during their spring training negotiations, but Bloom reiterated that today, I reiterated today, quote, we would like to explore a long-term deal with Devers per Alex Spear. Devers is headed into his final season of arbitration eligibility. As Mookie Betts was before his blockbuster trade to the Dodgers, Bloom dismissed the possibility of trading Devers, said that, quote, it isn't on our radar, end quote, and that everything that had that the team has done, far system payroll-wise, was conducted so that the team, quote, is never in a position of trading a player like Betts again, end quote. Bloom added that while it was always a possibility he'd receive a trade offer that was, quote, stupid to walk away from, Devers is a guy that we want to build around. Good to hear. I don't care what kind of trade offer you get for Devers. You keep Devers. Unless you're getting a stupid package like the Padres gave the Nationals, then I'll consider it. But A, teams don't have the kind of prospect pool that the Padres, I guess, did now. I guess they don't have it no more. Nor do I, Red Sox should be contenders every year. The Nationals weren't contenders this year. They weren't contenders last year. So it's kind of easy to point to the Nationals and be like, all right, I understand why you traded your guy because you're built for the next 10 years of success. Red Sox, I'd like to think that they're built for success right now, but I'm not the decision maker, although I think I should be. Unlike Bogarts, the Red Sox have fewer internal options to replace Devers at the hot corner. Arroyo and Hernandez are capable of playing this stop. Kike Hernandez is not a third baseman. Can he play? Sure. When was the last time he played third base? When was the last time he played left or right field? Because with that, with the Red Sox, all he's played is center field, second base, and I think maybe a little shortstop. Actually, I'm going to look it up right now because... Kike Hernandez, I'm just, oh, it's so frustrating. Just throw Kike Hernandez anywhere. Throw Kike Hernandez here and there. It's like, oh, I'm honestly kind of sick of him, to be honest. Uh, like, he's a fun guy. He's a cool guy. Where is fielding? It's just the dude hit 222 this year. Like, that's not that impressive at all. Really isn't impressive. All right, I need to try to find where the positions are. Uh, where are the positions? Stick with me, guys. I'm gonna find a. I'm gonna find them. I'm gonna find it. If it takes me. To, oh, here we go. I found it. I found it. I found it. All right. So let's see. When was the last time he played third base? All right. He didn't play in 2022. Didn't play in 2021. Didn't play in 2020. Once one game. In 2019, one, that was the last time he played third base. So you're going to sit here and tell me that he's capable of playing third base? Again, I'm capable of playing third base as well. That doesn't mean I'm the answer. And if you have Kike playing effing third base, who's going to be your center fielder? 
Are we going to bank on Jaron Durant? As much as I like him and as much as I would like him to be the center fielder, I just don't think the Red Sox are going to do that. So don't sit here and tell me that you have friggin', um, what's his name, Arroyo and Hernandez capable of playing there. Hernandez hasn't played there in three, over three years. So stop it. Um, but, like, it's the case with shortstop. Neither of them provides the offensive output that Devers brings to the team. Correct. Bobby Dahlbeck could be a contender for third base. However, the ready is yet to consistently produce at the major league level. Um, let's see. Jeter Downs and Ryan Fitzgerald are both AAA candidates that could see some time if needed. But both will likely continue their development in AAA. I wouldn't mind giving Jeter Downs the – well, first of all, I, I don't want Jeter Downs to play third base because I want Raphael Devers to play third base. If I'm being honest, I'd like Jeter Downs to be the backup infielder that Christian Arroyo is and get Arroyo out the door, personally speaking. Um, similar to Meyer, ninth best prospect, Blaze Jordan just finished his first full minor league season. Across low A and high A, the 19-year-old posted a combined 289. Ah, I don't care about the stats. Jordan is also projected to make his debut during the 2024 season, which may be sped up to align with a Devers departure. Hopefully not. Moving to the other side of the infield, Bloom touched on the arrivals of Eric Hosmer and Chris, Tristan Cassis. Quote, I don't know yet. He admitted when asked if there was room on the roster for two left-handed first basemen. Quote, obviously we got Haas. We're, we're focused on what we could bring, what he could bring to us right now and not wanting to rush, rush Tristan. I think after that, Tristan showed us in AAA coming back off the injury once he got settled in. Really the best we've seen from him, or at least I've seen since I've been here, it's something we're going to have to look at and quote. Now, I've had this conversation at the shop with people is Eric Hosmer would be a great trade chip, great trade piece because the Padres are paying the remainder of his salary. You're paying him less than a million dollars. A lot of teams could afford that, especially teams that are desperate for a first baseman, teams that, you know, maybe are, uh, a lefty away from you know being a contending team, whoever that may be. But yeah, you, it would not be a bad idea to have him on your roster as well to maybe platoon him with Tristan Cassis until Cassis gets his feet more wet and he's more comfortable at first base to be the guy no matter what. Kind of like how you screwed Dahlbeck a little bit, how you just plugged and chugged him every day no matter how bad he was doing. So I, I get keeping Hosmer around and then maybe at the deadline move him. Who knows? Um, Hosmer was acquired at the deadline. I don't care. He 45 at-bats with the team. What do you do? Okay. Cassis is Boston's second best prospect after Meyer and is ranked as the number 25th prospect by MLB.com. The slugger made his debut in early September and finished the season going 15 for 76. That's a 197 average with 23 strikeouts. However, he had a strong 20% walk rate, a 358 on-base percentage, and sent five balls over the fence. Bloom stated that the Red Sox were happy with how Cassis progressed the last couple months of the season, noting that, quote, he was a tough at-bat every single time, end quote, and that the team is excited to see how he learns from his brief experience in the show. All right, two more paragraphs, guys, and then we're going to talk something else other than Red Sox, because I know some people want to talk Red Sox, some people don't. Bloom also noted that the Red Sox, quote, fully expect they'll look at the possibility of adding to their catching group externally. He suggested that the Red Sox see Reese McGuire and Connor Wong as having, quote, raised the floor, but left open the possibility of an impact addition. I'm all set with Reese McGuire. I love Connor Wong. I think he should be the guy. 
all set with Reese McGuire. Wilson Contreras is the clear top free agent available at the position, while deadline target Sean Murphy could be again available by the A's. McGuire's had a strong start to his Red Sox tenure, slashing a strong 337 average, uh, 877 on base plus slugging, with three home runs and 98 at-bats. However, these high numbers are inflated by an astounding .411 BABIP. I don't even know what that means. Batting average based on innings played, something like that? I have no idea. Wong has seen less productive... Productive posting a 188 average with a 28.6% strikeout rate. Meanwhile, Cora announced that the team, that the Red Sox hope to bring back their entire coaching staff for the next season. However, it's possible some members of the staff could get a chance to interview for managerial positions this winter. Bench coach Will Venable, in particular, has been a frequent candidate for managerial jobs in past off seasons. So there is a good, lengthy Red Sox discussion, guys. A great Red Sox discussion to really wrap up the season, as I don't know when I will talk about them again, with the exception of, you know, breaking news, headlining kind of stuff. I mean, I don't really plan on having conversations like this, reading articles, diving deep, giving you my thoughts and such like that, with the Patriots season in full force, or the NFL season in full force, I should say. Plus, you have the Bruins starting up, the Celtics starting up. It's just there's really not going to be a lot of time on the schedule to talk Red Sox again with the exception of headlines popping up here and there. But those are my uh, that's what I have to say about the Red Sox exiting their 2022 season and campaign. I definitely want to know what you have to say. So reach out to me via social media at Murph's Card Town on Twitter, Instagram and on Facebook. If you're listening to this on audio only platforms, but if you're listening to this on YouTube, Reach out to me down in the comments as I can't wait to read and reply to those. I'm definitely intrigued to see what you guys have to say about anything Red Sox related. So let's take a pivot. Let's step off, gather our thoughts, reset, and let's rank the best months of the year for sports fans. Now, again, I heard this conversation on the radio. It made me think of it. So let's dive into it. So this is an article. I don't know when this article was written. It's from Bleacher Report, though, so it has some legitimacy. I just want to know when it was, when was it written? I, I, I don't know. I have no idea when this was written, so we're just going to kind of dive into it and hope that it's, uh, does that, if I click that, will you tell me? No, okay. Well, here we go. Um, this is an article from Sammy Suku. I'm not going to read the actual article. I'm just going to break down the months and what's in those months. All right, so number 12, July. Uh, the NBA Finals just finished. The NFL season is still two months away. Baseball is, is the only sport to look forward to. Fair enough. 11. August. NFL season is only in preseason. NBA and NHL are still on hiatus. Soccer leagues have just started. Okay. 10. May. Soccer leagues are coming to a close. Champions League Finals. NBA Finals match will be set. Okay. So those are the first three months. So we have... Uh, what was it? July, August, and May. Number nine. Ironic because it's the ninth month. September. The NFL season just started. The regular season MLB is coming to a close. And the NBA and NHL have not started yet. Number eight. November. The NBA season just started. The NFL season is getting closer to an end. MLB has closed up shop until March. NHL season is in full swing. I don't mind that. I don't mind November at all. I mean, NFL season, it's not, it's getting closer. It's like halfway through, you know, beginning of November is like halfway through, but okay. 
Number seven, December. Wake me up. Oh, I know that's September, not December. <laughs> when December, it's September. I know. Anyways, seven December. NFL regular season's coming to a close. This is literally the same thing, right? That they put the NFL season getting closer to the end. NFL regular season coming to a close. Okay. Uh, fancy football finals. That's pretty exciting. Basketball and hockey seasons are still in the early stages. Man, this person's a pessimistic when it comes to this stuff. All right, number six. April. WrestleMania. NFL draft. NBA, NHL, regular season comes to a close and playoffs start. I'll add a fourth one. Baseball. Baseball starting. Oh, I mean, I guess baseball technically starts in March now, the regular season. So I guess maybe you have to wait for March to throw that in there. So let's see. Number five, June. A very eventful month. You have the NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup Finals, the NBA Draft, and the baseball season is is in the full swing of things. Okay. I like that. <clears throat> Number four, January. College Football National Championship game, NFL playoffs, College football bowl games, NBA, NHL seasons are moving uh, into the more competitive parts. Let's just say like towards the midway point. And Royal Rumble for WWE fans. Okay. January, I like it, but... Mm. Ah, okay. What, what, what is that? We're on number three. February. The Super Bowl. The NBA All-Star Game. And the NHL season continues to gain steam after the All-Star break. Number two. March, March Madness, NBA trade deadline, NFL free agency, and the road to WrestleMania. That's a good little list right there. And number one, which is something I fully expected to be number one, October, which is the current month we're in. World Series and MLB playoffs. You have the NBA and NHL seasons beginning. NFL is in full swing. College basketball begins. College football rivalry matches. Soccer and their rivalry matches. I mean, it's just a full-blown month of sports. You have baseball playoffs. You have hockey and basketball just starting. The football is in fo- the football. Football is in full swing. College sports are going. It's just an absolute exceptional time of year for sports fans. And those are the months ranked. I know it was a kind of quick little topic, but. I'll read through it one more time. Number 12, July 11, August, May, September, November, December, April, 5th, June, 4th, January, 3rd, February, 2nd, March, and 1st, October. What is your favorite month of the year for sports? Me personally, I'm a big October guy for sports at least. For everything here, baseball playoffs, NBA, NHL just started. Football's in full swing. College basketball, college football. Can't get any better than that. If I had to pick a second month, though, if I had to pick a second month, I honestly, this is a sneaky one, April. April. Because baseball just started. Um, obviously, the NBA and NHL regular seasons are coming to a close, and the playoffs are starting. The NFL draft. I just think it's a really good time for sports in April. Although, on this list, it's number six. So... Do they put start of baseball for March on this list? Um, let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. Where is March? What number was March? Oh, March. Okay, yeah. 
Oh, yeah, they didn't even put the start of baseball for March. I mean, that could be another point. You have March Madness, NBA trade deadline, NFL free agency, road to WrestleMania, and then the fifth one would be MLB season starts. Like, that's exciting to me, and I know to a lot of people at least. Anyways, guys, let me know what is your favorite month of the season for sports, uh, month of the year for sports. Is it October? Is it March? Is it, uh, let's see, April? Is it, you know, the middle of summer? You let me know. I can't wait to see what your favorite month of the year is for sports, and let me know why. I'd be very curious to hear uh, your reasonings behind it, as you obviously know mine. So let's dive in to Patriots. Obviously, we have to talk Patriots. It's Friday. We have a game on Sunday that we need to preview. But first, I want to assess Patriots quarterback Bailey Zappi ahead of his potential first career start, which it more likely will be. This is an article by Brian M. Hines that was released actually today, this morning at 8 a.m. Can't wait to read it. This is as fresh as it gets. Absolutely as fresh as it gets. As the New England Patriots will take the field in their throwback Pat the Patriot uniforms on Sunday, they may do so with rookie quarterback Bailey Zappi under center. With Mac Jones still nursing an ankle injury and Brian Hoyer now on the injured reserve with concussion, things seem to be trending towards Zappi making his first career start. Last week, Zappi was thrusted into a hostile environment at Lambeau to duel it out with reigning NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers. While nobody would have blamed the rookie if a complete meltdown had happened, Zappi flashed his poise and confidence. He led the Patriots on two second-half scoring drives before ultimately coming up short in overtime. But as expected with any rookie quarterback in his first NFL action, Zappi provided a mixed bag of sorts. With the limited play sheet at their disposal, the Patriots leaned on their play-action passing attack with Zappi to mirror with their potential, uh, their potent ground game. The go-to call was post-crosser combination off play-action, which Zappi explained post-game was a play he was comfortable with. New England used the concept four times against Green Bay, striking the 25-yard touchdown to Devontae Parker and a deep completion to Nelson Aguilar off the root combo. Uh, while the success with play action, 5 for 6 for 69 yards and a score, was a positive sight, Zappi looked like the fourth-round rookie he is at other points throughout the contest. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts 
to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Let's see. Zappy's pocket presence was one of the main areas for improvement as he tended to panic when under pressure. I mean, I don't blame him because that offensive line is horrendous. And we saw what had happened to Mac Jones with the ankle. We saw what happened with Brian Hoyer earlier that game with the concussion. So I don't blame him for panicking under pressure because that offensive line sucks. Um, on the third and five in overtime, Zappi missed his first read to left um, to the left, who was Hunter Henry, who had a sliver of separation as Green Bay brings a five-man pressure. Despite Ramondre Stevenson picking up the rusher, Zappi looks away and scrambles out of the pocket, leading to an incompletion and punt. Overall, Zappi played well for what it was. He took care of the ball in a conservative passing attack, but rightfully had flashes of a rookie playing in his first career game. The performance was admirable to keep pace with Green Bay, but they will need more out of the rookie if he gets the call on Sunday to outscore the Lions' top-scoring offensive unit. Against Detroit, New England will likely keep the ball on the ground to attack the Lions' uh, poorest run defense, which ranks last in the league in defensive rush EPA. While continuing to match play action off of it, that would mean keeping Zappi under center, under center, something he barely did in college at Western Kentucky, who featured a strict shotgun air raid attack. Now, real quick, before I get into any bit more, I do think that Zappi deserves a lot of credit for what he did at Lambeau last week. He didn't make, you know, he didn't turn the ball over. He didn't, um, he didn't cost us the game. He didn't look too much like a rookie, but of course he looked like a rookie at times. Thrusted into Lambeau, hostile environment against the two-time um, NFL MVP. You're the third-string guy. It's just like, I, I get a lot of people would be panicking and freaking out, but he did a good job staying poised and staying calm. So he does deserve a lot of credit. Now, after a week uh, of preparation and preparing for this, where you're most likely going to be the starter, there is a little bit of expectation coming up, especially against the Lions team, who on defense blows. However, on the other end, their offense is spectacular. So you're going to have to keep up with that offense because I have no faith that the Patriots are going to be able to slow them down. I really don't. You know, if Amon Ross St. Brown for the Lions doesn't play, DeAndre Swift obviously is not going to play. I totally understand why, you know, the Pats could lose this game. And I think they will because they don't have the offense to keep up with Detroit. Yeah, I know Detroit's defense sucks, but your offense isn't, you know, blowing doors off either. But the Pats' defense has shown good signs. I mean, it slowed down Aaron Rodgers, but again, Look at who he's working with for wide receivers in that offense. So there's a lot of different variables that go into making different decisions and predictions. It's going to be a very interesting watch that I'm very excited for. But there's a lot of expectations for the offense going into this game and, of course, the defense. Continuing with the article, quote, A lot more comfortable than I was about a year ago, dropping back from center. Zappy joked on Wednesday, quote, that goes a lot with working with my teammates, working with my coaches, continuing to get uh, comfortability for it, and continuing to get reps before and after practice, end quote. However, 
if the if a the Patriots that's a weird one another typo in an article if the Patriots feel more confident with their quarterback after a full week of practice reps and potentially need him to put points on the board they could feature Zappi in the shotgun more something they were doing with Mac Jones at a high percentage to start the season if the Patriots trust Zappi to open it up with a larger game script Zappi would have the ability to attack the defense that is last in the NFL in terms of points allowed through four games Detroit's defensive unit has been picked apart by the likes of Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz, Kirk Cousins, and Geno Smith. Not the best bunch of quarterbacks, I'll be honest, except Jalen Hurts. But other than that, the bunch, not a good bunch right there. Um, Zappi would then have the opportunity to strike a few big plays down the field, while the potential return of Jacoby Myers would be extremely beneficial to give the rookie a reliable target in the slot, which was a favorite outlet of his at Western Kentucky. If if his arm is relied on more, Zappi's internal clock will need to be better on Sunday. This season, the Lions' aggressive defense logs a 24.1% pressure rate and the third highest blitz rate in the NFL at 37.6%. That will also be a change from his collegiate days where he was under pressure at just 12.9% last season. As pressured forced some rookie mistakes against Green Bay, the on-field experience will hopefully help ease a 23-year-old's nerves and produce better results. Quote, there's a lot of things, Zappi said when asked what he had learned from his first regular season action. Quote, there are some things I've learned from my fundamentals and being able to calm myself down, continue to focus on my job and what my job is at hand, end quote. Time will tell if Zappi will be the Week 5 uh, starter on Sunday, but the fourth-round rookie proved he'll be ready if his number is called upon. Now, I really do like... Is that everything? Yeah, that's everything. I really do like this article because it goes down into the deep, deep depths of statistics and just reality. The reality is Bailey Zappi is not ready to be a long-term starter in the NFL. He was a fourth-round guy for a reason. He played at Western Kentucky, which is no SEC school. It's not even an ACC school. Hell, it's not even a Pac-12 school. So, he doesn't have that true experience going up against the top defenses in the nation and just really having to be in pound for pound battles right there's not a lot of pressure on him you know he faced uh what 12.9 percent pressure rate last season at western kentucky now i didn't watch all too many western kentucky games to be honest i probably didn't watch a single one however they could have had a good offensive line they you know the running back and tight ends could have stayed in to help block better the, maybe the defensive pressure that he was facing for from, you know, subpar players. Who knows? Who knows? In the Lions, they like to send it in a lot. 37.6% highest blitz rate and an aggressive 21.4 pressure rate. That's pretty good numbers. Pretty good numbers. That's one in every four times they're putting the quarterback under pressure and they're blitzing just over a third of the time. If I'm the Lions, I'm going to be putting pressure on Bailey Zappi all throughout the first quarter, maybe even all throughout the first half. Put him on the spot. Make him feel pressure. Make him feel uncomfortable. Make him panic. Enforce mistake. This is the perfect game for the Lions to try to take advantage of the high pressure rates and the high blitz rate against a rookie quarterback who has what? 
three quarters of NFL experience, this is going to be exceptional game for the the Lions to be able to try to turn their porous defense into maybe a productive one. They have decent players. They're just not getting it done on the defensive side of things. Now, of course, you're sitting here, Murph. You're sounding like you're a Lions fan. You sound so pessimistic. No, obviously I'm not a Lions fan, guys. Come on. But I am pessimistic about this game because, again, they are the number one ranked offense, the Lions. I don't know what the Patriots... I mean, the Patriots' defense has played fairly well this year. I will admit it. But they're not getting the job done, though. They're really not. And I do fear that this game could get out of hand. Now, if you had Mac Jones at quarterback, I'd feel a little bit more confident. I'd feel a little bit more cozy about this game. But we don't. We have Bailey Zappi. And again, nothing nothing against Bailey Zappi. Not his fault at all. Especially the pass lose this game. It's not going to be his fault unless he makes dumb mistakes or whatever. This game, you're pointing at Bill Belichick. I talked about it last week. Is if Bill Belichick is the coach that everybody thinks he is, the greatest of all time, the best coach ever then he needs to win he absolutely needs to win games again let me pull up the Patriots schedule real quick New England Patriots he absolutely needs to win these games against the Lions the Browns the Bears the Jets obviously you could put the Colts there. I still think the Colts are good and they gotta win but they look underperforming anyways you have to have to have to have to get wins against these teams because if you don't beat the Lions, you don't beat the Browns, you don't beat the Bears, who are you going to beat? Who are you going to beat? It doesn't matter who you have at quarterback, whether you have Tom Brady, Cam Newton, Mac Jones, Brian Hoyer, or Bailey Zappi. You should, if you are the best coach ever, with a competent roster that you do have, with some decent weapons on offense at least, and a solid defense. A solid defense. I don't like their defense. I don't love it, but it's a solid defense. Then you should be able to win, whether I'm the quarterback, you're the quarterback, or Bailey Zappi's the quarterback. Bill Belichick, in his career without Tom Brady, is a sub-500 coach. With Tom Brady, he's, of course, a well and far beyond a 500 coach. His winning percentage is in, like, the 700s, 750-something. My point that I made last week and that I have to emphasize again for literally the next month If you are the best head coach of all time in the history of the National Football League, then you have to win with whoever is under quarterback against the Lions, the Browns, the Bears, and the Jets. Over the next month, the entirety of October, you absolutely have to do it. Why? Well, A, you're expected to make the playoffs. B, you're expected to be a competitive team. C, you have a decent defensive unit Uh, you know statistics may not show that all too well but i'd like to think that you know your defense has a lot of potential and is solid your offense has good playmakers solid playmakers not elite not great but you have there's much more worse rosters out there in the nfl and i know the patriots don't have the best team but they're not a bottom five roster they're not they're absolutely not a bottom five roster may look like it sometimes but they don't And for that reason, you have to go and win these games. Because if you don't, if you, in the next four games, you go two and two, you're three and, what does that put you at? Three and five? Like, eh, you're just running in place. So it's just super important and crucial 
Now, I'm not going to say Bill Belichick is going to be on the hot seat because I was hearing calls on the radio that Bill Belichick should be on the hot seat. He's not going to be on the hot seat midseason. He's not going to get fired midseason. It's going to be a postseason thing if anything, if they mutually part ways or Bill Belichick retires, which he won't until he breaks the, the coaching record. It's just not going to happen. But he needs to win these games. He absolutely needs to win these games. Again, before the season started, I had the Patriots at 6-11. and 11. I did. Now, with the Mac Jones injury, I don't know how long it's going to last. But guys, I'm looking at 3-14. and 14. I really am. I need what you want to pause this podcast and just like, Murph, what? How? What? 3-14? and 14? You're the Patriots. Guys, our expectations are nowhere near, quote, we're the Patriots anymore. It's just not it. It's it's not it. We're you're you're not that team no more. Our expectations have shifted. They need to have shifted. And if they haven't shifted, you're gonna be in a rude you're gonna be in for a rude awakening if the Patriots lose on Sunday. A very rude awakening if they lose on Sunday. Which I don't think they will. I hope they don't. But I I can see it, guys. I can see it. Yeah, the Lions are going to give up 30 points, but they can easily score 30 points. Can you? Can you score 30 points? Do you, Can you score 30 points if you absolutely have to with the way your team is right now? The answer is no. The answer is no. Now, I did hear on the radio as well is if the Patriots lose on Sunday 31-24, to 24, is that Bailey Zappi's fault? Or 27-32 or 35-28, whatever. High scoring game. Is that Bailey Zappi's fault? Me? No. I don't think so. If he can get you into the 20s, you should have a good enough defense to slow down the lines, to halt them, to put your third string rookie quarterback in a position to win. You should. If Bailey Zappi can get your offense 20 points, it is not his fault. Now, if he'll only give you three points, he turned the ball over four times. Different story. But if Bailey Zappi throws for her 175 yards, two touchdowns, and he's like 17 for 22 completion percentage, and you get 21, 23, 24 points out of it, not his fault at all. That's on the defense. So there are uh, so many different components that go into this game it's unbelievable and it's against the Detroit Lions who I'm very high on this year and next year as well however we can't just look at them as oh they're the Lions they suck oh it's the Browns they suck oh the Jets they suck these teams don't quote-unquote suck anymore like they used to they're not the 1-15 Lions or the 0-16 Browns or the 3-13 Jets these teams arguably arguably better than you top to bottom roster arguably don't 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 bash on me for saying oh my god Murph thinks the Jets are the better than the Patriots you can make that argument guys you can make that argument but he thinks the Browns and the Lions are better. you can make that argument you can you can make that argument who would you rather be right now all things considered would you rather be in the Lions shoes or would you rather be in the Patriots' shoes? Some may say the Patriots. Rightfully so. Some may say the Lions. Good young running back. Good young tight end. 
good young wide receiver in Amon Ross St. Brown. You have Jameson Williams coming back later this year. You just drafted Aiden Hutchinson, a hometown boy, second overall pick. Got a great offensive line, arguably one of the best offensive lines in the league. Jared Goff, obviously not the future, but he is a competent quarterback who is clearly getting the job done, putting up points after points after points this year. Jared Goff is responsible for putting up 35, 36, 24, and 45 points. That's not that bad for Jared Goff. Now, obviously the Browns, I don't know if I'd rather be the Browns, but how about the Jets? How about the Jets? Zach Wilson, promising young career. You have a uh, wide receiver in Corey Davis, but you also have a young receiver in Garrett Wilson, right? You have a, uh, oh, Elijah Moore, too. I forgot Elijah Moore. You have a good running back room in uh, Brees Hall and who's the other guy's name? Um, oh, what's his, what's the other guy's name? The Jets running back. Oh, I see his rookie cards all the time. Oh, I can't think of it. Um, oh, you got, you got um, Sauce Gardner. Forgot about that. Oh, Jermaine Johnson. Forgot about that. Like him. Not Ty Anderson. Uh, Ty Johnson. What's the other running back's name? Oh, man. This is going to... What's the other guy's name? He's not even on here. Okay. Jets. Running back depth chart what's his name jesus um michael carter my god why couldn't i think of that michael carter you got a good running back room right there as well offensive line you know went healthy you know obviously if you get mckay becton you know it's a nice little plus right there not the best offensive line right now unless you get becton back up and coming secondary obviously linebackers are you know experienced I don't blame you for wanting to pick, you know, I'd rather have the Jets roster right now if I'm being completely honest. So, 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 let me just kind of just cut it off right there. Flame me guys in the comments. Reach out to me via social media at Murph's Card Town. If you want to absolutely torch me for saying what I said about the Patriots and, and the Lions and the Jets and all that good stuff. Fine, fine, fine. I'm giving you my opinion, guys. I have to give you my opinion about this matter. Because I need to wake you up to reality. And again, I said it last week. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But I'm just looking at reality dead straight in the eyes and looking at what is going to be or what I fear could be. So what I'm looking for, the three things I'm looking for this week is competent play from Bailey Zappi. You know, again, I want him to feel comfortable. I want him to kind of know the, the playbook, have it opened up a little bit. Just don't make dumb mistakes that can cost us. If you can play without turning the ball over, march up and down the field a little bit, obviously you're going to show signs being a rookie and this is your first start. I get that. But, but put the offense in a position to win and don't – I'm trying to find the word. Just uh, don't – just don't blow it, I guess. I guess Don't blow it. Because that leads into my second point is defense needing to help out the offense. You need the defense more now than ever this year because you're going against the number one offense in the league. And you've given up 27 points, uh, 37 points, uh, 20 points. What was the other one? Let's see. Steelers getting 14. Whoop-de-doo. You gave up 20 points to the Dolphins, 14 to the Steelers, 37 to the Ravens, and 27 to the Packers. None of those teams were the number one offense in the league. You're facing the number one offense right now. 
you need to slow them down. I'm not going to say completely stop them, but slow them down enough to give your rookie quarterback a realistic opportunity and a real chance to go out there and not only prove himself, but to help put the team in a position to win. So one and two kind of go hand in hand a little bit. Bailey Zappi, don't make it too tough on the defense by you know turning the ball over, giving the Lions great field position. Just do your job, put the team in position to score points and get points on the board. Defense, slow down the Lions, stop the Lions to a point where you can give the ball to your rookie quarterback and gives you an opportunity to put points on the board, whether to uh, add to your lead, whether to take the lead, or to you know shrink the deficit. So one and two honestly kind of go hand in hand. Number three, number three. Oh, I don't even know. I honestly don't even know where number three, what number three would be, because I'm just so focused on number one and two. Literally, offense, defense, or Bailey Zappi and defense. Number three. Oh man. Um. I can't say exploit the Lions' defense, which I think I'd like to put here, because you have Bailey Zappi. So I can't say exploit the defense. Um. This is a stinker, guys. I don't know. Coaching? I mean, yeah, let's go coaching. You know, I like Dan Campbell as a coach. You know, I watched Hard Knocks. I think I have an episode or two left. I, I like what the Lions are doing in Detroit with the coaching and the players and, and their scheme and all that. But Bill Belichick and his coaching staff needs to show and prove that they are still number one and that they're better than fun Dan Campbell, who has a nice up-and-coming team. You need to go out there and say, I'm Bill Belichick. I don't care who my quarterback is. Your defense blows, and I am going to win this game. And this game will be won via coaching. That's what he needs to do. So, number one, Bailey Zappi. Just don't turn the ball over, put points on the board, and just, you know, just uh, execute the offense. Two, Help Bailey Zappi out, slow down the Lions, put your offense in a position to actually go out and win this game. Plus, don't get exposed. <laughs> Number three, Bill Belichick and the coaching staff needs to perform at the highest of levels. Honestly, you're going against Dan Campbell and the Lions. Doesn't matter who the other coach is, you should be better than them. However, you need to go out there and prove that it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, you can go out and beat the Lions. Official prediction, guys, I do think the Lions are going to win this game. I really do. I, I don't know what the score will be. 27-17. How about that? There you go. 27-17. That's going to be my official score prediction for this game. Do I think that's possible? Yeah. I mean, I think the Lions could put up 47 points, if I'm being honest. Patriots, they're not going to sniff that. But it's definitely going to be a fun game to watch. However, that will wrap it up for today's episode, guys. I really do appreciate you clicking on this video if you're listening to this on YouTube. Thank you so much for liking, commenting, and please subscribe if you're new to the channel or have not considered subscribing. If you're listening to this on audio-only platforms like Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts, you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. Thank you guys so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying episode number 162, as I greatly appreciate the love and support. I can't wait to see what this weekend has to unfold for, obviously, the Patriots, the NFL, and, of course, moving forward for uh, the Bruins and the Celtics as their seasons are coming to a quick, quick start. Very excited for that. As the season gets closer and closer, we will talk more 
Bruins and Celtics. I can guarantee you that. But guys, have a fantastic weekend. Hopefully you enjoy this weekend. It's going to be a little chilly. It's going to be a little warm. It's truly fall here in New England, which is very exciting. But, but before I go, sip of water first. Before I go, I do kind of want to mention something that I just kind of scribbled up last night here at the shop. And I've done a couple skits in the past on the YouTube channel, you know, a couple skits, you know, have a doppelganger or whatever, picture in picture. And I have the idea for a Halloween skit, right? And part one will be for Halloween. Part two will be for either Thanksgiving or Christmas. And okay, basically what I'm trying to say is I'm just going to read you two lines from it, okay? Two lines. I'm not going to give you any context. I'm just going to give you two lines, all right? <laughs> it's going to be funny. So the doppelganger sneaks up. This is boo, right? And then I, I guess actual Murph, would say, why'd you scare me like that? You almost turned these into PSA 9s and ruined their value. And then the doppelganger says, oh, you're right. Be careful or else. And obviously, I'm not going to tell you what the or else is because you're going to have to wait for the skit to actually come out. But what I wanted, what I wanted to say is, you know, part one will be that little skit, and part two could either come out for Thanksgiving or Christmas. What do you guys think? Let me know. Reach out to me via social media or leave it down in the comments below. I definitely want to hear what your potential thoughts are on that matter. But anyways, I'll leave it at that. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy week five of the NFL season. I will catch you for the next episode, episode number 163. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you, and I will always, always see you. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats, B-E-E-T-S dot com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.